It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Yeah, drawing Social Security is one of the biggest financial decisions you're going to make in your entire lifetime. So don't make this financial decision in a vacuum. Instead, make sure that it fits within your entire financial life and your entire financial picture. So that and answers to your questions on today's episode of Wise Money. And we've got a couple great questions, a couple from fans of the show we're going to be kicking off with about student loans and about ooh, permanent life insurance. So we'll hit that later in the program. If you have a question for us, we'd love to hear it. Reach out to us. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Submit a question right there on the right. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then social media, wherever you're at, where they're to, just search the Wise Money Show. That's Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can submit questions that way. Follow us, like us, and catch all the content there as well. Okay, you guys remember the story of Oedipus? Yes. yes. Don't tell us. <laughs> I mean, so so uh, it, it's uh, it's Greek mythology, right? Disturbing. Di- Greek very mythology. disturbing. That's right. Where where I'll just I'll, I'll keep it uh, PG rated here. Uh, guy re- hears his prophecy and accidentally fulfills it by running away. Yeah. So he, he, he hears some pretty gruesome stuff. He's like, no way. I'm taking control of this, and I am running away. And by that act of running away, he kicks off the domino effect to fall right into what this prophecy said. And uh, why am I telling you this? Well, I actually think there's a connection between Oedipus and Social Security. So many of us are afraid of not getting what we're due with Social Security. We're afraid that I've paid in all these years and I'm supposed to get something and it it should be this big benefit. And in order to, to kind of get mine, we make some bad decisions with Social Security and just like Oedipus, kind of fall right into the trap that we were trying to avoid, which is not getting all of what we were really due. So hmm. good analogy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna, done, B. I'm gonna take that analogy a little step further and talk about what these three myths. You see what I did there? Mythology and these three myths <laughs> that that wind up being trapped for people when it comes to Social Security. And the very first one is that you should draw your Social Security as early as you can. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're starting with that one because this is one that really is perpetuated by uh, most retirees' peer group, right? I mean, it's just sort of become almost conventional wisdom that you should just get started as early as you can. In fact, the earliest age that Social Security lets you draw, uh, unless you're a widow or widower, um, is age 62. And that is the most common age that people begin drawing, right? Mm -hmm. 
more people draw at that age than any other age, which, um, you know, I, I would argue this is maybe an example of a time when the wisdom of crowds may be failing us, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean just because more people draw at that age that that's really the best thing to do. And um, in, in fact, I, I think it's maybe an indication that too many people are listening to what their friends or family members have done or are thinking about doing rather than basing the decision on their own financial plan. Yeah, I think it is, it's, it's a, yet another example of how the financial education system in this country has failed us. Now, if you're hearing that and you're nodding your head, I want you to repeat after me, I am not a victim. So you do not have to be a victim to that. But it is interesting. I've spent all day every day for the last 25 years thinking about these matters. And a lot of folks haven't. So when you meet folks and you you say, hey, so when are you thinking about retiring or whatever? Well, I have to retire at 62. Well, why is that? Well, that's when I can take Social Security. Okay, well, that's cool. Have you... Um, considered a different age or doing it in, no, that's just what I do. And again, that, and it'd be easy to think that, and I'm I'm not cracking on someone who might be thinking that right now. I'm saying, try to get outside of that box and think, what, what else, is there a different approach other than the approach that I've been thinking? Mm -hmm. And should I consider that because if this is truly one of the biggest financial decisions that I make in my lifetime, do I want to do it based on what the guy next to me at work is doing or has done? Or do I want to do it based on what's absolutely best for myself, for my spouse, for my children, for my grandchildren? I mean, this has a far-reaching implications. I, I think there's a myth embedded in here. If you're, if you're a regular listener to The Wise Money Show, we we talked about this just a couple months ago about some other financial professionals spinning this actual this very issue that you should draw as early as you can, and um, the the point here with the myth is that really there isn't a cookie cutter approach. There's no best way for each person. I think going back to what you said, Kevin, I think for many people they just blindly think. I've had people say. Um, when I've asked, okay, so what's the big retirement goal? Well, I, I think my retirement's 67. Well, you kind of have a choice. Well, my Social Security is 67. No, 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 you get a choice in that. So some more intentionality to it, actually a planful approach to look at, all right, when is the best time for you to draw your Social Security? And it might be different for your spouse than it is for you. Yeah. Yep. yep. You're, you're exactly right. And to me, I, I would want you making that not, not only a planful approach, but um, truly calculating what is the cost of uh, starting early. You know, every year that you go a little bit earlier, there's there's shaving off or reducing your benefit. And that reduction lasts for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And th- there are some circumstances where you could um, maybe get your benefit growing a little bit more. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But if you started early, just know that y- you've made a sacrifice and it may be worth it. Um, it may fit just fine in your financial plan. But unless you've run a projection that looks out into the future and considers the, the various scenarios, like what if you pass away uh, later than you expected? What if your spouse passes away sooner? Um, 
you know, the, these are all things that have a, a, an impact on whether or not drawing early was the right thing or not. You know, we talk all the time and we've seen all the stats about the average American doesn't have as much saved up for retirement as they'd like to. Do you think that's part of the equation here? People are drawing Social Security as soon as they possibly can because there aren't other resources to draw from when they let go of their paycheck? Yeah, I mean, how, how many people, the, the day that their paycheck ends, they walk away from that paycheck either by their choice or it was forced upon them. If they don't have resources to fall back on immediately, Social Security is an easy faucet to turn on pretty quickly and at least get some kind of income coming in, even if it is a reduced amount. Some would say, hey, it's better than nothing, and nothing is what I would have if I don't start Social Security right away. Mm -hmm. So not everyone can delay Social Security if retirement comes early. And my hope would be that you uh, exert whatever amount of influence you have on your retirement date and push it back a little bit further. If, um, If you don't have the resources built up where uh, you could live on something other than Social Security, then that may be a sign that it's re- retirement may be coming too early for you. Yeah, and you may need to to try to delay as best you can. Yeah, I and I'm excited. We don't have time to unpack this right now, but I'm at the beginning of the next segment. We're going to talk about the reasons why you would want to draw right at 62. Well, go ahead. Get started. Okay. One of the reasons why I might want to draw at 62, if if I'm if I am done working, I may want to, especially if I'm a grandparent and I have a dependent child who's under the age of 19, my dependent child gets half my benefit. So you the the calculation therefore is not a simple calculation because if I've adopted my 10 year old grandson. I've got the next nine years where my grandson's going to get half my benefit. Mm-hmm. Therefore, um, that that might make some sense. I I love the folks that have a great plan that say, "Hey, listen, I want to be done working in in my nine to five job, but I I do want to work and make some money, mm-hmm. and I want Social Security to be the supplement, and that is that will supplement me, and I, I plan to work till I'm that's." That's actually a great segue. We've got a couple more myths that we need to be talking about. And that's, and, and but plus other reasons why you might want to draw Social Security early, reasons why you might want to delay. We've got that more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What in the world does Oedipus have to do with you drawing your Social Security? Well, we're talking about that today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I want to say thanks to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. To catch all the Wise Money content, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then wherever you're at on social media, we're there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. You can catch all the content that way as well. We're talking today about the three big myths when it comes to Social Security. And the first one is, well, you might draw it as soon as you possibly can, as soon as you retire. And that's one myth that that's just always the best thing to do. And it's, it's, it, it might be, but it might not be. 
what are some other reasons real quick why you might want to draw early right as you right when you retire yeah if you had a, a health diagnosis that said you are your life expectancy has been dramatically reduced then um, you would want to do that the 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 only way you're going to know for sure whether you made the right decision as as of when to retire is at your death so then you can go back and, and do the math. I think the reality is on your deathbed, you're not going to really give a rip whether you whether you drew too early or too late. Um, that probably won't matter at the time. But it, the, the dis, part one of the components of the decision-making process as to when do I draw Social Security is what is my health and what is my life expectancy? Because if I'm not going to be a long liver, um, depending on a number of other factors, it might make sense to draw at 62. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, in the last segment, Kevin mentioned a scenario where maybe you have a grandchild that you've adopted. So you're drawing Social Security, but you have a dependent child under the age of 18, and you could be drawing Social Security for them as well in that circumstance, a, a similar circumstance. It's it's not that uncommon in maybe a second marriage situation where a parent has a child of their own, not, not a grandchild, a child under age 18, um, or a disabled child who could be older as long as the disability began before age 22. So there's all these interesting little circumstances, but the basic math is normally the, the reason we say don't draw too early is because you're making such a, a massive sacrifice in what your lifelong benefits will be. However, these are a few examples of circumstances where by drawing early, you're actually tapping into benefits for other family members, which offset what you're giving up by drawing early. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that math works out to your advantage where actually delaying uh, may not result in the best family benefits overall. And uh, it's one of the reasons why you just have to look at this from so many different angles to get the answer right. Yeah. All right. Social Security myth number two is that I can work and still draw my Social Security. Well, actually, that's not a myth. That's 100 percent true. But there's a catch. Yeah. The catch is if I'm if I'm working before my full retirement age, there is an amount of money that I can make and above that amount my social security does get reduced. Even full retirement age though, if you if if you weren't thinking about this all day every day for the past two decades, even that I would say, well, okay, you will I'm fully retired. I'm not gonna <laughs> I, I, I so even that just doesn't really make any sense. It's a it's an age that the Social Security Administration has assigned for you. It's based on when you were born and it started at age sixty five and it's been trending upwards. So depending on when you were born, it might be 66, might be six and 66 and change. For many of you, it's probably 67 by now. And for my kids, it'll probably be 75. If you They'll were, keep pushing it back. Yeah, if you were born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. Yep. So, and, and all that means is you can still retire and um, begin drawing Social Security before that age. You can even keep on working. So, so think semi-retirement. You've uh, walked away from a full-time job. Now you're working part-time. But the, the catch that we're referring to is if your wages, if your earned income, paycheck-type money, goes over 17640 this year, 2019, 
um, then you're going to have a penalty against your Social Security benefits. For every dollar that you earn, they're going to hold back 50 cents worth of Social Security in that scenario. And the big trap here is the people, if you're thinking, hey, part of my retirement plan is come age 62, I'm going to go to part time and I'll make 40 grand. And I looked, my Social Security will equal about 20. I can live on that. That's cool. No. If you're making 40 grand part time and you try to draw your Social Security, they're going to penalize your Social Security. Your Social Security will be reduced potentially potentially all the way. Right. Yep. And people, so here's the here's the, the, the good and the bad news. The good news is I can, if I turn on Social Security, this this is one of the tricks because as people are retiring, I say, well, what, what are the odds that you will go back to work? And they might be at 62 or 63, a little burnt, and mm-hmm. they might not be leaving under the, the best situation. And they're like, I'm never going back to work. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you, you get retired, you organize your sock drawer and you, your, your, your tie hanger and your tie rack is all organized. And then you're like, OK, well, what do I do next? And then you say, you know, I kind of liked work. There are some good things that come out of working. So um, I'm going to go back to work. It used to be when we started that you could draw Social Security for years, pay it all back, and reset at a higher amount. Basically a do-over, right? Exactly. At any time. Yep. And, and And actually, you can search on the internet and find articles that tell you you can do that. And when those articles were published... That actually was good information. <laughs> the problem with the internet is nothing ever leaves. So yeah. don't put pictures of yourself uh, on the internet. <laughs> but also don't read old articles about Social Security because you can still do that as long as you haven't gone beyond 12 months. That's exactly right. So if I start drawing today and nine months from now, Josh says, no, come on back. We really need you. Um and I say, okay, I'm, I'm coming back. I can pay back every penny that I've earned, and it's as if I had never drawn. And that will allow me to draw at a future date and um, have a bigger number. Sounds complicated. Sounds crazy. We've helped people do it. I'm thinking yeah. of one we helped do it last year, 2018. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and you can only do that if you have liquid resources at your right. disposal to be able to pay it back with, right? Or the ability to go get a loan or something like that. But yeah, that's a that could be a large sum of money that all of a sudden you're trying to to send back, but it could be worth it in the long run. Yeah, and you know what the person that I that I'm talking to right now is so I'm going to be 67 in ni- in 2035. And if I just read an article this week about how social security goes insolvent in 2035. So I'm looking at this and saying, okay, this is this is not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. This is a math problem. So this math problem is not going to work. The average recipient right now is drawing $17,000 of Social Security per year. We're, we are getting set up to have a, an incredible war of the ages because the number of people paying into the system versus the number of people – getting money out of the system, those numbers are going to change dramatically. And as they do, I have a sense that the younger folks are going to say, uh, no way, not doing it. And so they're going to have to do something with the folks like me that are turning full retirement age 
2035 when the system basically goes broke. Because all of the extra money, all of the extra taxes that were paid into the system were not put in a lockbox. That money was all borrowed out and spent by our government. So do they change it or do they close it down? The, the solution here is maybe not as huge as everyone would imagine it to be. Because when, when you hear insolvent in the year 2035, that's what drives people to hurry up and go claim Social Security at the earliest possible date. Oedipus. Because they think they're only going to draw from 62 until whenever that 2035 year hits. And then it's all just dries up. But the reality is that at that time, uh, the, the projections show that even about 80% of your benefits could still be paid with the taxes rolling in. But, but still, though, there's some, there's some easy fixes. And, and, and it's going to be – it's a fix, so it's a change, and, and people won't like it. But, but the longer we – our Congress delays making a decision, the fewer the choices will be. And right now That's we right. still have enough choices, so – Anyway, all right. So we've got another myth to tackle with Social Security and then a couple great questions. One about what to do with student loans and investing. That and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you have student loans and you have cash flow, should you invest that cash flow because of the long-term rate that you can get in the market, or do you pay off that debt? Great question from Jamie. We've got that coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. Listen, if you're not watching the Wise Money Show on the YouTube channel, I'd encourage you to do so. Every episode of the program is on the YouTube channel as well as lots of other videos as well to help you make wise financial decisions. Just go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, hit that notification thumbs up and comment as well. Thank you. All right, we are just about to wrap this up. The three main myths with Social Security. The first is that it's always best to draw as early as you can. That's myth number one. Myth number two is that I can keep working and draw Social Security. That's not a myth. That's true. But there's a catch. There are limits there if you're drawing Social Security and working before your full retirement age. The third myth really gets me worked up, but I'm going to try to uh, calm down, is that, well, Social Security is not taxed. Well, this is another myth that is founded in reality. Originally, Social Security came out, it was uh, delivered to retirees, and they didn't pay tax on it. There, there's even people- Golly, Josh, you're already making me mad. <laughs> there, there's even people today who don't pay tax on any of their Social Security. There's some who don't even have to count it on their tax return because uh, this is all based, it's a form of means testing in a way, right? Uh, it's it's a sliding scale. Some people will pay uh, taxes on their Social Security and others won't. And it's all based on this calculation 
where we take half of your Social Security and add it to all your other sources of income and measure you against certain thresholds. As you start creeping higher and higher along those thresholds, eventually they start pulling some of your Social Security onto the tax return where it gets included in your taxable income. And it's not really that big of a number that you need to, to have of other income for them to start pulling your Social Security over. So huge, huge, huge tax planning opportunity here. You thought while you were working, there were a lot of tax planning considerations that, that you need to factor in. Oh, my goodness, when you retire and you're forced to draw money out of your, your IRA at 70 and a half, or you've got Roth IRAs or capital gains or other things, my goodness, the tax planning opportunities just go up immensely. So you, you need to be doing financial planning in retirement. And you also need to be thinking, all right, our mom and dad paying any tax on their Social Security? And what's their financial life like? You might say, well, they're just simple. You know, going to Walmart, that's a big week for them. No, no, no. You got to look at their financial situation. Talk to your certified financial planner who's doing comprehensive financial planning and and make sure that that uh, they're capturing all the tax opportunities. Yeah, because you say, hey, you know, I know mom and dad are taking the required minimum distributions from their IRA, so everything's fine. You know what? They might need to be taking more than the required minimum distributions. It's not uncommon to run into someone who's paying no taxes, but not only are they paying no taxes, they've got like minus $7,000. So they could actually have $7,000 more of taxable income. So take seven grand more out of that IRA and still pay no taxes. But you've just got to be aware, aware when you do that, does it start pulling more of your Social Security over? And if you're in a situation where you're perpetually thinking you're going to need to pay tax on your Social Security, think again. I, you know, Maybe there's some creative tax planning you can do where you can sacrifice two years and say, you know what, we're going to do Roth conversions or we're going to do something. And yep, we're going to pay tax on all of our Social Security. But by, but by capturing it and consolidating it into this year or these couple of years, well, out there in the future, then none of our Social Security will be included on our tax return. And the other thing that just drives me crazy, <laughs> that they said they'd never tax it, and they now do, but you've already paid tax on this money. FICA is not a deduction. And so you've already paid tax on this money. It just drives me crazy that it's already, and you could say, well, there's some gain there. You've got to pay tax on gain. We can't see that gain. Just drives me crazy. I told you I was going to... Well, Mike, Stay that's calm. yeah. That's that's the same. That's that's how Oedipus felt. I bet. I uh, bet he so, did. So be careful uh, where you're heading. So people don't really understand this, and they say. And I just had a retiree who's turning 66, and she's getting ready to draw her Social Security. And we talked about the taxation of Social Security, and she said, "What? You doing what?" So the change in the tax rate. Um, that's from 1993, the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act. Uh, a deadlock Senate, the vote was tied 50-50, and vice president, who just uh, had recently uh, invented the internet, <laughs> vice president Al Gore cast the deciding vote in favor of the passage, and President Clinton signed the bill, the largest tax increase in history, into law August 10th, 1993. So even though it feels new to you because it's new, it might be new information, this has been going on for a while. And this is one of the ways that in essence, they've means tested it. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Uh, and they're going to means test it, I believe, even further. That's just mean. Based on your income, based on your assets. And another way to means test it is just say, hey, if your income is above a certain amount, we're just going to withhold 
Social Security. All right. So what's the point here? What's the next step? The, the point is not to, well, then I shouldn't save up because they might, I might have to pay tax on my Social Security or they might take some, they might means test my Social Security. So I shouldn't save up. Um, the point is really to be working with a certified financial planner to see for what is the best way in your specific situation fitting within your tax plan, with your cash flow plan, with your retirement plan, with your investment plan, your estate plan, my goodness, because of uh, survivor, survivor survivorship benefits. benefits. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best way for you and your spouse to draw Social Security? That is the main point. Work with your certified financial planner. Make sure they're doing comprehensive financial planning. Okay, Each of those areas that I just talked about should not be a surprise to them. They should tell you why this is the best way to draw Social Security for each of those um, areas of your financial life. All right, great question here from Jamie. She's 32 from Washington, D.C. A little full and fair disclosure here. This question was actually found by Lindsay, our our marketing and and producer for The Wise Money Show, on a financial forum, and this question was popped out there. She saw lots of other comments. She thought, okay, the guys need to talk about this on the show. So here's what Jamie asked. I have about $23,000 in student loans with a 4% interest rate. I have about the same amount sitting in my savings. And I just got a new job with a pay raise, aka cash flow. Everything I've read said that with an interest rate that low, I should invest my money instead of paying off my loans. Is that true? No. Take the first stab. Yeah, I'm going to just say no, Jamie. It's a great question. But um, you want to the, the key thing here is liquidity. You do not want to make yourself completely illiquid because one, the, the moment that you go illiquid and you need money, you have now put yourself in a very vulnerable position. So the whole idea in playing the game is in order to win the game, I've got to create protections of various level levels of protection for myself. And, you know, on the farm, when we used to have a hay wagon and we were going to unhook it from the tractor, you'd put a, a, a chalk behind the wheel so that the, the wagon wouldn't roll backwards. And, I, Jamie, I want you to think in your financial life, as you're rolling the ball up the hill, you want to continue putting a chalk behind the back tire of the hay wagon. And your cash reserves that 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 serves as kind of the mother of all chalks behind the, the the your financial wagon rolling all the way back down the hill and making you start over. So you're you're there's a couple points she's making here, and the first one is should I take my cash and pay off the loans, or should I take my cash and invest it? And Kevin, you're saying no, keep your cash. I'm saying I'm saying keep your cash. Now I if you have twenty three thousand dollars of student loans and twenty three thousand dollars of cash, there there may be some cocktail there that you want to mix up where you say, hey, a portion of that goes towards reducing that. I don't know um, what else you have. If you have a home with some equity in it, that might that might be uh, some sort of protection. Um, but I would I would look at this and say, if you're going to invest and you've got extra cash flow. I would make sure that first investment is in my re- in my employer's retirement plan enough to capture the match, mm-hmm. um, but that would be absorbing the extra cash flow. 
Yeah, there's so there's a few different layers here to this question, which is why I love it. And I I appreciate Lindsay for throwing this out here for us to comment. So so we've already we've talked about, well, you don't want to bring your cash down to zero. You've got to look at your entire financial life, but you don't want to bring your cash down to zero. But what do you do with your cash flow and what do you do with this loan? So we've got more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Should you take all of your cash reserves and pay off debt? That's a great question right now that we're answering. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFT studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, just want to remind you that every episode of The Wise Money Show is on podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just search The Wise Money Show. You'll find us there. Subscribe to it so you get uh, notified of every future episode. And then I'd encourage you to rate the show and even make a comment there. That uh, We appreciate that. All right. So we're, we just started answering a question from Jamie. She's 32 from Washington, D.C. She said, I have about 23000 in student loans with a 4% interest rate, have about the same amount in my savings, and I just got a new job with a pay raise. Everything I've read says that with an interest rate that low, I should invest my money instead of paying off my loans. Is that true? So far, we've said, careful to not take all of your savings and throw it all on debt or throw it all in investments. You need to have a buffer there, some emergency fund, and that's that's a principle. Exactly. I mean, you need to attack your debt from a position of strength and stability because you don't know what kind of emergencies are going to come up as you're eliminating that debt. That's why we say get the emergency fund in place before you get too aggressive with the, the uh, student loans or any other consumer debt that's out there. But there's also a, a budgeting principle here uh, as well. We encourage people to not live on 100% of the income coming into their home. And and you may say, well, that's kind of obvious. And yet it's not obvious if you're looking at most people's behavior. Many people take their lifestyle or their spending right up to the edge of what they're earning. And it doesn't leave margin. In a perfect world, we would encourage people to try to get all of their monthly and non-monthly expenses covered with about 85% of their take-home pay. Now, this is a conservative approach, um, but what it does is if you, can, if you can keep your expenses that low, you're freeing up the remaining 15% for what we call goal achievement dollars. This is money that you can begin applying towards the most important priorities in your financial life. And paying off debt might be one of them, Building up resources for the future, saving for retirement, that kind of thing may be another one of them. Finishing out an emergency fund, buying a house. There's so many different goals, but you have to have firepower when you go attack those goals. And the 15% is where that money comes from. And so now, if, if you have the, uh, the margin in your financial life to direct extra dollars towards paying down the debt faster or saving it, now it, it does also become a, a question of your priorities, but also, you know, Kevin mentioned in the last segment that 
if you have a retirement plan at work and there's an employer match on the table, you don't want to go any years without capturing all of those offered dollars to you because that helps support your retirement and long-term planning as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think if, if you said to me, should I invest the money or pay off my student loans um, in a vacuum, 99% of the time, it's pay off the loan. Pay off the loan, pay off the loan. Um, because if you invested the money and, in, you know, with the stock market near its all time highs, the stock market tends to move in trends. And so if the, if you're, if the invested money stayed flat or went down over the next five years, how would you feel? And so emotionally, I'm not feeling very well. But the other thing is, is by getting rid of the loan sooner, I just freed up additional dollars to put towards goal achievement. Exactly. You know, that is not very sexy advice that Kevin just gave. In fact, it flies <laughs> in the face of what you'll read online or books that are out there. I mean, there, there's an entire cottage industry that's been built up on how to be clever about using other people's money, right? Borrow money at a low rate and go invest it in some high-flying option that's going to really build wealth quickly. And the, the problem is you, you downplay the amount of risk there, and it's not it's just not based on the right financial principles for building a strong future. Yeah, it's, that's that's a risky approach. Yeah. I, so so if I could sort of codify what we've said, number one, this is a quintessential financial planning question. And Jamie, you're 32. I don't know if you've ever sat down with a certified financial planner or if you've maybe just met with an insurance salesman or come across an investment advisor who, of course, would tell you you've got to invest this, right? No, you need to sit down with a certified financial planner and talk through all areas of your financial life and talk through what your goals are, prioritizing those goals, because that's what would lead to the great answer here. There's some good ones, but that's what would lead to the great answer a good based on what i'm hearing figure out what your target is for how much you should have in your emergency fund if that's 23 grand great if it's 15 grand then take the extra money and apply it towards the highest priority goal and then i'd encourage you find a way to get the student loans paid off inside of 12 months and contribute the least amount necessary so that you can get the full company match and then with extra cash flow, as long as there weren't any other goals intruding on this, I'd look at that Roth area. I don't know what you're making. I don't know what your tax bracket is. I just know you're 32. So I, I would I would consider juggling each of those things. Now there's another financial person, I can't say professional, um, who has one of the, I think this number two rated radio show um, right now who would who might tell you something a little bit different than that. Just do this, then do this, then do this. And oftentimes your financial life is not chronological. You need to consider all of those things, but you might need to spin a couple plates um, on your fingers all at the same time because I'd want you to get the match. I'd want you to work aggressively on paying that loan off, but I'd also want you to you know, make sure that you're considering and using that Roth IRA potentially. Yeah, it is much simpler to think in terms of just do this, then do this, yeah. then do this. But this is why you want to work with a planner, make sure they're certified, and make sure they're a fiduciary. Because there's a there's a difference, and you can't tell by looking, but there's a difference between someone who 
is under a suitability standard, which means if they can get you to buy it, they can sell it to you versus someone who has to act in your best interest. Oh my goodness, that that tees up the next question, but I'm going to I'm going to delay that question till next week. It's so good. I want to make sure we've got enough time to address it and that is this whole idea of well, if I I'm a, I'm a financial professional, but if I can talk you into something then that's fine. All right, we're skipping that one. We'll hit it next week. Judy 69 from Granger. My daughter and her husband are looking to move. And I would like to help them avoid private mortgage insurance and get the house that she likes. I was thinking of gifting thirty to forty thousand to help. What do I need to be aware of? Wow. I, well, first of all, what a generous yeah, spirit, generous. right? Wanting to help family members get uh, get moved into a different house. Um, you framed it as kind of a want here. Um, what we don't know uh, the circumstances of the the situation is are you maybe helping them get overextended? Because, you know, maybe you help solve part of the problem of uh, the affordability of the house, the down payment portion. What's the mortgage going to look like for them? And I I don't know, how how much larger is this house? What kind of additional expenses are they kind of signing up for? And anytime I, I run into someone who can't afford one element of the home ownership, it makes me wonder, can they afford all of the elements of home ownership? And that's a good point. Although I would say, um, Judy, if you're if the gift does not have a detrimental effect on your own financial life and your own financial plan, it can be a pretty amazing gift because the the payment, it's interesting, the payment on a on a on a hundred thousand dollar house, versus the payment on a $200,000 house, it's it's not cash flow. It's not dramatically different if you have the down payment to support it. So a lot of times, I mean, when we move from Lawrence Street to the nice subdivision, our house payment didn't go up dramatically because the amount that we were able to put down. We, we borrowed dramatically more money, but the payment didn't go up proportionally like you would think it would. It's a little bit of a Jedi mind trick. So so be aware that you're not enabling and putting your daughter into a situation where they're going to overextend themselves financially. Listen, more expensive houses have more expensive roofs that need to be replaced, have nicer expectations for the kitchen remodel. Property right? tax. Property taxes. Um, but, but also, you know, make sure it doesn't negatively impact your financial position. But then you also need to be aware of gift tax and gift rules based on how much you're gifting and the situation. I think you should be just fine there. But all right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.